0: Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is titled, The Reality, and it is part of the Saved Sermon Series. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org or send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now... He's Pastor Jason McCutcheon. Awesome people. Super awesome people. Um, you know, I'm super excited to be sharing with you guys today. Um, when my dad came, he's like, Hey, um, we have an empty um, Sunday coming up. I'm going to be going with Elise down to Arizona. And, and so, could you do me a favor and get someone else to speak? <laughs> and I was like sure. So I asked around and they said no. So he's like, I guess you can do it. And that's how this happened. Um, You can blame Clark for having a baby. Um, But anyway, so last week we've we've been, we're doing a series called Saved. We're talking about really, uh, it's kind of like a Christianese word, right? Oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. Um, But um, we talked about what is this salvation mean and and pastor phil really defined it in using a verse in colossians for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into his kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins and it was really about a rescue right he rescued us we were in some kind of captivity he rescued us from poverty and, and we're rescued from prisons and rescued from penalties. So um, hopefully you guys got something awesome out of last week because you may get nothing out of this week. So you're hopefully just carrying you into next week with Pastor Phil. But I'm going to pray really quick and um, just ask that God would be here today and, and speak through me. Father, um, we're super grateful um, that we get friends and family and people um, to do life with to have um, partnerships with, to connect with in a thing called the church. And um, thank you that you've given us your word for us to discover together, to talk about, to embrace, and to live our lives based on. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus that you would be here today and that you'd be speaking through your word again. In your name we pray, amen. So we as Christians, we kind of fall into a trap a lot of times, you know, we're... we're, we're we take things that are, like, fairly straightforward, and we kind of make them, like, incredibly complex and abstract, right? Like, spiritual concepts, where, like, I hear people say all the time, like, well, it's just, I'm not, like, a super deep person, right? I, you know, I just keep it simple, and, they're like, I can't really understand. It's funny to me when people say, I can't understand the Bible, and I'm like, okay, so let's read the story. Okay, well, there's these people, and they walked around a wall, and then the wall fell down. And it's like, like, what don't you understand about that? Well, I just, really what they mean is, I think I can't understand complex things. Or, like, I don't know, if we make it complex, maybe we don't really have to do it, right? We can make excuses for all the things that we don't do or the ways that we fall short. God wants to make it really simple. And salvation is one of those concepts that um, I cannot stress enough. He wants to make simple to you your own salvation, the thing in your life. You know, and so we become a Christian, you're rescued from darkness, adopted into God's family. It's really not a, a super abstract concept, right? And so salvation is like this shift in identity. Um, it's like a moving of our position, right? And literally we're transferring from one kingdom to another, from one family to another, um, Imagine if we kind of thought of, like, the seat that we're sitting in today the same way we think about our salvation, right? We thought of it like this abstract concept, like, am I really here, though? We're like, no, you're sitting in this room, you're sitting in a chair, and you're here. And you know, like, I'm not really sure if I'm a Christian, how can I know? I'm not really sure if I'm at church, how can I know if I'm at church? Well... Are you there? Like, like, Pastor Phil right now, he's physically in Arizona, right? This is us. This is him, right? So I'm in Massachusetts, and I don't need to wonder if I'm in Arizona. And, and, and Pastor Phil, why don't you come on up here? Hey, uh... hey Pastor, how you doing? How's, how's, how's Arizona? So nobody can hear you because the volume's not cranked, so I'm just going to turn it up all the way. There, can you, can you say hi to everybody? Oh, hi, everybody. So do you have any doubt, Pastor Phil, that you are not at church today? No doubt whatsoever. I'm, I'm worshiping at... Uh... First cactus assembly here. Oh, nice. So, so the fact that we're talking on FaceTime doesn't confuse you at all? What doesn't confuse me? The, so the fact that we're talking on FaceTime currently, that doesn't confuse you at all? Well, uh, technology totally confuses me. So, so just to be clear... You're in Arizona, and we're in Massachusetts. That, that is correct. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, standing out here in the desert. Nice. Great. Well, hopefully you have a great day. Tell everybody we said hi and uh, enjoy some Mexican food while you're down there, okay? Great. God bless everybody. Have a great service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's kind of silly example, but... Um, but I think I want to make it really clear that salvation is not intended to be abstract. It's not more spiritual when things are complicated. That is not more spiritual, and I think salvation is one of those things where, we, like, we have all been in part of the debates. Can you lose your salvation? How do you get your salvation? Does God choose? Do you choose? How do we know? If I sin eight times on the ninth time, am I not a Christian anymore? Like, We've all been around that conversation enough. And guess what? They're reasonable conversations. They're not ridiculous. But like, whether I'm a Christian or not should not be part of that debate. Whether you're a Christian or not. Like, you should know I'm a Christian. And and God wants you to know. The Bible says it this way. It's very, very direct. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So, like, you are a new creation. Your nature is changed. You're not just—you're doing new things. You are a new thing, right? And so we're, we're rescued. We're adopted. We're a part of God's family. It's, there's that legal transaction part of it. There's a the transformation part. And our salvation is really that simple. Some, some of us just don't know how to measure um, what God's done in our lives. And, and so we walk in insecurity, right? We walk around and we're not sure what God's done in our lives. We have fear. And um, I can tell you just off the bat, that's not from God in your life. Um, That fear, that insecurity about your adoption and what God's done in your life is not God's plan for your life. Um, God's plan is, the Bible says, that we boldly go into the throne room of grace. That's God's plan for our life. And so salvation is not supposed to be an abstraction. It's supposed to be a reality to us. You know, Your salvation is supposed to be the concrete reality on which you build your life. Every choice you make should be based on the confidence of what God has done in your life and who you currently are in Christ, right? This is not something that God wants you to have any confusion over. And, and I'm kind of belaboring this point a little bit today because I think it's something that um, as we get into what does it look like to be saved and the reality of our salvation, um, the devil uses these conversations to accuse people and to put them in a place of insecurity. And that is not the intention. That is not what God wants to do. So hopefully someone today can kind of make a shift, right, from being uncertain to being totally certain about what God has done in their life. And, And maybe if we're bold enough... Maybe if we have enough courage, we might even decide to move into this transformation for the very first time. There might be someone in here today who, in your heart of hearts, you're like, I don't know if I've really made this choice. Um, But hopefully that's what God does. So last week we talked about the rescue, saved, the rescue. Um, Today's message is for anyone who doubts what God has done in their life, anyone who's praying for somebody, anyone who's wondering... Today we're going to be talking about the reality, saved the reality, the reality of our salvation. You see, the question on many of our minds is like, and let's just do this, we're going to have a vulnerable moment, although I don't think it's that vulnerable, but we'll have a vulnerable moment and we'll just do this. How many of you guys, through a raising of hands, have ever doubted whether or not you were really saved? So this is like a normal thing. A normal thing for us. It's not God's plan for us, but you're in good company, right? It's a normal thing. It's a question we have. And so hopefully today I can help us identify how do I know if I'm really saved? How do I know that I've been adopted? How do I know that I've been brought into God's family that I've been rescued, just like we talked about last week? So first of all, Let's define the word saved. It's pretty much Christianese um, in the modern world. Christianese is the language we speak at church that no one else in the world speaks. Um, You know, it's like, oh, hey, uh, I have some problems. Oh, you need to be covered by blood. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's a solution. Like, we just use Christianese all the time, um, and it's fine. I love Christianese, I'm fluent in it. But it means a lot of things to a lot of people when you say the word saved, you know? Um, You know, we have like, you know, I I was looking, Jesus saves, and and like, this is what the internet tells me about, you know, Jesus saves, you know, or like maybe something like this, or um, or, or I think this one's my personal favorite, because I'm more of a tech guy. You should too. Save your files, guys. You know, but for a lot of us, um, saved by saved, I mean, I'm not going to H.E. Double Hockey Sticks. Um, I go to church. Maybe we mean, oh, well, I'm saved. I go to church, or I've saved. I read my Bible. I'm saved. I pray. I'm saved. I got baptized one time. That's one of them. I'm saved. Well, I believe in God, or or even this one. This this one's like, well, no, it's not about believing in God. It's about I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Jesus version of God. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff that we have defined our salvation based on. And, and I hate to break it to you, but, but none of these are what it is to be saved. They're all actually incredible things, by the way. They're things that, like, if you did not do any of these things, I would wonder if you were saved. Um, I would question your salvation if you were unwilling to go to church, read your Bible, or pray. Um, And I think if you don't believe in Jesus, you're definitely not saved, because that's kind of a deal breaker. Um, But the Bible says even the devils believe and they tremble. So it doesn't put us in very good company to exclusively believe in Jesus. That is not what it is. The Bible talks about adoption when it comes to our salvation. So we're new creation. It never says, if anyone is Christ, they will read their Bibles. It says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, right? You're adopted. The, even one place they say, you're grafted onto the tree of Abraham, right? So it's just like really, really like vivid, literal imagery of a total change of who you are. Like, and, and um, I want to make one thing about being saved, very, very clear before we move on. And this is just like so critically important. Jesus really, really wants you to know that you're saved. Like, he wants you to be confident in your salvation. He wants you to sit there and go, like, praise the Lord for what you've done in my life, Jesus. This is not something, he's not interested in like, have anybody been in like a relationship where the person's like, They kind of want you to keep you on a string, and they're not really, like, when you're in high school, the girl's like, maybe I like you, maybe I don't, and, like, that's kind of how you keep the guy interested. That is not Jesus. God is not like, maybe you're saved, try doing a few more good things, you'll really know. Go to that church a few times, sign up for a life group, and, like, finally you're like, oh, yes, I feel it. I did enough stuff, and now I feel that I'm saved. He's not interested in stringing you along. He wants you to feel it like so deep in your bones. You walk with so much confidence and joy. Um, That's really God's plan for salvation in your life. Romans 8, I love this verse. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God and are the children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. We talked about that last week, right? Your spirit is a spirit of adoption, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, right? So we're saved by an imparting of God's spirit into us, and it brings about an adoption into sonship, daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Those that don't know, Abba is a, like a Jewish word for daddy, so it's a super intimate term. We would go into God's throne room with intimacy, no fear, we, and this confidence, it's even being instilled in there, Right? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God's Spirit, the the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to testify to you that you're God's kid. And so when you're like, I'm a Christian, the Holy Spirit wants to move in there and say, I'm here. I'm telling you, are God's kid. This is one of his main works in your life. When you're like, fill me with the spirit, God. A lot of what you're saying is, God, fill me with the confidence of my adoption. That is a holy thing to ask for. That is God's plan for your life. If you think God wants you to feel insecure and unsure and uncertain, you are not listening to the spirit of adoption that God wants to speak into your life every day. Because God wants us to be confident in our adoption as his kids. He makes the signs very clear to us, right? And so we're gonna get into some stuff today that some of you guys may not like. And I don't want you to think that it has any opposing view to what I just said. I was very encouraging. I believe that these things are direct correlations to how we know that we're saved. And I think a lot of us, that think God isn't doing things in our life, if we took an analysis and we really looked at the way we've changed and the way we've grown and the desire we have to change and grow and the fact that we even feel bad about the things that we do now that we didn't used to feel bad about, we would see that that was a sign of God moving in our lives. And so that's where we're headed with this. But what is someone who is saved? How do we define being saved? Well, let's make it real simple. It's really about desire and heart. It's what are our desires and our heart What do we want to do? And so someone who is saved is one whose life is marked by a desire to know, follow, and surrender to Jesus. That's pretty much it. Your life is marked by this desire to know God, to know Jesus, to know about him, to know God's word, to follow in his footsteps and do the things he did, right? And to surrender your will to give up your will to what Christ is doing in your life. You know, one of the most important marks of the Holy Spirit's transformative work in your life is this desire to know Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that this desire is implanted in us um, when we're rescued from slavery and it's a spiritual transformation. It's like you once were one thing, now you're literally something totally different. Um, You know, the desire to know Jesus is one birth, by the way, from this rescue process. Like the Bible's really clear like you were once his enemies now you're his friends right you were one thing and now you're another thing so John 6:44 it even says this it says no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them this is Jesus talking by the way and he says hey nobody can come to me unless the spirit's drawing them to me so like i always like if you're in church today why Why would you choose to do this if it wasn't the Holy Spirit drawing you? Like, and if you're a person who's yet to make that, like, active choice, I do believe it's important, by the way, to choose just, like, love at first sight isn't enough if you never go talk to the person, meet them, marry them. (laughs) I'm married. I saw this beautiful girl. We're married. That's crazy. (laughs) But if you're here today, why are you here Why do you go to small group? Why are you interested in spiritual things? Some of you who think you're struggling, why are you wasting your time struggling so much? Because you're being drawn by the Spirit. God is working in our lives, and he's pulling us, and he's saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. So the very fact that you have desire in you to know God is evidence of salvation in your life. You know, Many of us are looking for proof God is doing something in our lives and, you know, we want to see miracles, we want to see signs and wonders, right? We want to see all these ways that, to prove to, God, prove to ourselves that God is doing something. You know, you don't need to look any further, like I said, than the fact that you're sitting in here, that you're going to church, that you've chosen to make God a part of your life. You know... The reality of our salvation doesn't stop there, though. Salvation means life change and obedience to Christ. Um, It's not just enough to want to know a little bit about God. You're marked by obedience, a desire to obey, a desire to surrender your will. And, um, you know, if you don't believe me, I can just rattle off about, yeah, you know, six or seven verses really quick if you want. John fourteen, fifteen, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. First John two, three through five. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a person who's struggling. No, they say a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him tr- truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Right? 1 John 5, 2 through 3. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. 2 John 2, 1 through 6. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Notice he's correlating a lot, by the way, our love for God with our obedience. He even says, by this we know we love the children of God. So not only is it our love for God, but our love for each other with our obedience. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. First John, or sorry, not first John, John fourteen twenty one. whoever has my commandments and keep them, he is, it is he who loves me. John 15, 10 through 14, And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. Also, notice that he's correlating our joy with our obedience. Right? So he says, it's not burdensome. If you love me, you'll do it. If you love other people, you'll do it. My my commandments are not burdensome. And they'll make you happy. Right? Right? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is, anybody have any, like, like different interpretations you want to make of those verses? <laughs> it's, like, it is super straightforward and super simple. It is not abstract. Obedience follows transformation. They're not unrelated. And, and, and I've, I've struggled with this for years because I know I could be like, I'm a very black and white person. And for people who um, deal with me sometimes, it takes them aback. And but, so I tried to think of how do I explain this in a way that doesn't offend anyone, doesn't upset anyone? Because um, I, I am sensitive to the fact that like, I do understand it feels a little bit not cut and dry. We all know somebody who are like maybe like who's not serving the way that they ought to be, and 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 this is what I'll say. I wonder what's more encouraging: me telling you I have the cure for cancer. It doesn't work always, but sometimes it works. But maybe it's something else. But you can take it, or saying oh, that person didn't take the cure. Like, what makes me feel better about the power of the cross? Like, I'm not encouraged by the gospel that doesn't work. I don't know if you are, but I'm not encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by the fact that I'm sitting in a room with people who I actually believe, by the way, that you have been transformed, that most of the people, if not all, wouldn't surprise me at all, have had massive life change in their life and that if we were to actually start acknowledging that, we would start breaking strongholds left and right. If we would know I am a child of God, I've had my life changed and transformed and I'm gonna make a list and I'm gonna have an answer for the enemy when he comes to me. That to me is more the problem in our lives than the fact that we actually have not had our lives changed and the fact that we feel insecure is why we don't want to, lead into those verses about obedience because we look at the two things that we struggle with and don't look at the 20 things God's done in our lives. So here's the thing. We work from grace, not for grace. Grace. We work from grace and not for grace. This change in your life is a grace and a mercy upon you. And when you understand that and you lean into that and you lock into that, you're going to start experiencing the power of that transformation in your life. But when you're doubting it every single day and every moment and you haven't built your life around the transformation, that's when we struggle. That's when we struggle because God's like, I'm changing you. And you're like, I'm not changing You're like, the fact that you want to go to church, look at the things you feel, like. how many of you guys would say, now that you're a Christian, things that made you feel that you didn't have any feelings about before, now you kind of feel bad about it. (laughs) That is a spiritual work of mercy in your life. That is God doing something amazing for you. You should be, that is a miracle. You know, a changed life is the fruit of a changed heart. You don't change your life first. God changes your heart first. So those of you guys that are like, oh, he's teaching works. No, I'm just telling you what's gonna happen. This is a fruit. The Bible says, the fruit of the spirit, right? The works of the flesh. So the things that God does in our lives are birthed from his spirit. We don't need to just say like, God, help me. Like, We need to be committed to letting more of his spirit come in our lives, and these things will start growing like fruit. You're not gonna have to force them, you're not gonna be like, I gotta be tender, I gotta be kind, I gotta be loving, I gotta do these things, you're just gonna wake up one day and you're gonna suddenly be like, I've been a lot nicer to people in the last seven years. (laughs) And it's fruit, it's fruit, you know, It's evidence, really. See, God does his part. And by this, we get to live our lives. And, and this obedience, not only does it like, bless us through saving us from all this like, horrible, horrible consequences, like, but it blesses us by giving us joy. We get locked into this joy, right? And this process of working on our salvation, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Right? This, it is, it's work. It's work to plumb the depths of the things God has done in our lives, to make an, an inventory, a personal inventory, and say, God, how have I changed? What are you doing? What are you saying to me? What is your plan for my life? And leaning into that, that takes some time and work. It's not something that just happens automatically. But when you do it, you get that joy, you get that connection to God's spirit. And you know, I want us all to think a little differently than we normally do. If you're a Christian, take a second and just think about the ways you've learned to obey God over your walk with faith. Think about what God has done to help you grow. Really lean into that evidence right now of your own personal transformation. Think about that. This desire in us is evidence that we're God's children. Instead of just looking at the times we fell short, instead of just looking at the ways that we want to keep growing, reflect on that desire. The fact that you even have a desire to hit a goal. The fact that you're looking and going, I don't, I blow it sometimes. That is such a holy thing. Now, if you're just like, I blow it sometimes, so what? We can question that. But I think a lot of us are like, we're filled with sorrow. Now, Do we, we need to probably get better at repentance in our lives and actually relieve confession and repentance. If you have things in your life that you um, know you need to grow in and those things are kept as secrets, um, don't be surprised if one day you stop seeing any fruit because you're letting cancer grow. You're letting something happen in your life that will take you down. The bio, I've heard this said a lot. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies, right? But you can't have heaven on earth if you live like hell, as they say. So, so if you have that going on in your life, um, obviously we want you to move toward, away from that. We want you to move into holiness and sanctification and adoption. But We know someone is saved by how they live. We know someone is saved by how they live. And I think that's really the simple point of this message, is how you live your life will show people that you're a Christian. And some of us need to do a better job really looking at what God has done, being worshipers, as they say, evaluating all the things he's done in our lives. I really, 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 really believe that God has done way more good than we've done bad in our lives. The transformations in this room are absolutely stunning. And I would love it if this was a room of people who were so confident in what God's done that we couldn't shut our mouths in worship, that we couldn't not tell the people who we love around us about what Christ has done. I see all these people on Facebook, right? And they're like, it works. Or like, oh, you know, essential oils. Or just whatever the thing that they're into that they feel works, right? that they're a fan of. And, and yet, I, I oftentimes think, why are we not so enthusiastic about the change we've done in our lives? That's no shame for, by the way, talking about something that isn't Jesus, but I think it's because we haven't really thought about the way we've changed. We don't often evaluate it. We don't often say, am I really a Christian? How do I know? I know because I have a changed life. What are the ways I've changed? Wow, I have grown a lot. That's such a great, great thing because God wants you to know and he wants you to be filled with boldness when you go into the throne room. You know, it's like what we said earlier in Romans 8. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The evidence is overwhelming, really is. The rescue operation that Christ did, you know, it's evidenced by this reality of our obedience and our changed lives. And why is this so critical? Well, God really wants you to know you belong to him. He wants you to know that you belong to him, so he wants you to look at your life and have it be changed. What a cruel God that would be if he would say, you're changed, but nothing will happen. No, we need to have our lives be changed. And I would challenge you, if your life has not been changed, the worst thing for you is to walk in false confidence. What a cruel God that would be. But if your life has been changed and you live in confidence of your salvation own it. Own it. The Bible is very clear. God wants you to be bold and confident. He doesn't want us to be shrinking away from the enemy, shrinking away from our sins and our failures and all the areas in our lives where we fall short. We are children of the Most High God. You know, God wants you to embrace your real identity today. And I want to end with this verse because this sums it up to me. This is who you are. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people. You were once not a people. You were once something else. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. The things that we struggle with, the devil puts them in our lives so that we will doubt our adoption. He's putting these things in your life and he's doing the exact thing he knows that will make you doubt whether or not God has done a change in your life. And I want to tell you, you have power over that. You have power over that enemy. You can control that battle line through prayer, through thanksgiving, through acknowledging the power and the change that God has made in your life. That is what's at stake today because you might walk into heaven and God's like, why were you doubting so much? Look at what you would have done. Look at how many people would have known Christ if you would have been willing to own your own salvation. And walk with boldness. Look at the healings you would have done if you would have allowed the Spirit to move through you. Look at all the things that would have happened in BCC and the discipleship and the people who would have come to know and understand God's Word if you wouldn't have been doubting the fact that you were really my kid. So I have two questions today because you guys are a You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession. And so I have two questions. Are you confident in your rescue and adoption? And do you want to be part of God's family? And this could be the same person or a different person or whatever, but we're going to have the prayer partners come on up here. And um, we have something that I really personally love, a ritual that's just um, really represents the life change, the life transformation that happens on the cross in communion. So this communion is available for you. Here's what I would love today. If you're a Christian and you're saying like, you know what? God has done a lot in my life. He's been so faithful to me and he's really changed me, and I've really grown. Um, I would love it if we would take communion together. If you're a person that's like, I'm not sure, actually. I need, God, I need you to give me confidence. God, I I need to grow in this. This is something I struggle with. I would love it if you would get prayer with one of these prayer partners up here because they, um, we know at this church that um, the devil, he's got it in for us He's got a plan just like God has a plan, and we know God's plan is a lot better. Amen. And so we think God's plan for you is confidence and joy in your salvation, not, not insecurity. We talk about eternal security a lot around in church circles. I, I'll call that eternal insecurity. <laughs> you know, we've got to, God has a plan for you. And so the next thing is, do I want to be part of God's family? Like, we've been talking about being saved, and you're like, actually, I don't know if I've ever really made this choice. I don't know if I've ever said, like, I want to be a Christian. I want to be part of God's family. I'm accepting this adoption. I want to be God's kid. Um, Then I would really encourage you, come up here and and tell somebody and let them pray with you. So I'm going to pray, um, and we're going to sing a little bit, and um, we're going to take communion together, and we're going to pray at this altar. And I just want to thank you guys for having me. Thank you guys for letting me speak to you guys today. Father, we thank you um, for the saving work that happened on the cross. We thank you that you want us to live in boldness, and so you've made it a very cause and effect relationship between our salvation and our lives. God, as we change our lives, God, um, and we look and we know why, I pray that we would be filled with so much joy today because you are a God that keeps your promises. God, but we pray today for people who are struggling, people who are struggling and filled with doubt, who, who don't feel accepted by God, who are not sure, who are living in doubt. I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would move in and comfort them today, that you would make them sure of their adoption, that you would make them in such a place of boldness that they would begin to really own all the ways that their life has been transformed and changed. Even us who are veteran Christians today that we would humbly just sit in a moment of reflection and with so much joy for what you've done. God, and in this room, God, we know there are people who have yet to make a decision to follow Christ. And so we pray for those people, God. We ask in your name that you would draw them into this building. And if they're in this building, that you would draw them to this altar today. That they would come and say, God, I want to be your kid. I want to be accepted into your family, God. I'm going to surrender my life to you. In your name we pray, amen. Please come.